0: All right, this is episode zero of First Read Ultimate Spider-Man. We are your hosts. I am Zach.
1: And I am Job.
0: And uh, the reason we're doing this as an episode zero is because we've never hosted a podcast before. So we're going to get our feet wet today and we're just going to look at some issues that have no bearing on the continuity we're going to be following for the remainder of this pod. Uh, we just looked at some fun issues in the main um, Marvel continuity. Uh, long-term, this pod is going to follow Brian Michael Bendis's 160-issue run on Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, it's called First Read Ultimate Wish Spider-Man.
1: I zero
0: yes, it is called First Read Ultimate Spider-Man because it's a, a comfort read for me, but John is completely new to it. John, do you want to tell the people kind of what your relationship is as like a Spider-Man fan?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I have never read really any of the Spider-Man comics until the three that we read for, for this episode zero, but I've obviously seen all the movies, the Toby and Andrew and Tom Holland movies. So, so I know the general Spider-Man story, but but definitely not like you do reading all the comics.
0: Yeah. We've, we've definitely talked and bonded before over being Spidey fans, but you know, it's different coming from it as like just a media property and coming from it as like um, a comic book reader. Uh, There's definitely good stuff to both. And um, my idea for this podcast is uh, that it can be kind of a jumping on point for anyone who's been, interested in getting into the comic books or comic books in general um, wants to hear about a really good self-contained run and just get one full story out of it uh, and has had barriers to that in the past. And I think it's really important to have, you know, a perspective in in it that, where it's new, it's new for you. It's new for potentially listeners or readers or anyone else who wants to be along for the ride. So I'm glad we are doing this together, and thank you very much for agreeing to it. All right. Well, do we want to get into these issues that we looked at today? Let's do it. All right. So,
1: Fantasy Fifteen, yes, sixty-two. Was that the first one?
0: That is the very first Spider-Man ever. That is where it all started. Um, We're going through today some of uh, the versions of Spider-Man's origin stories in the comics. Because where Ultimate Spider-Man starts is with an origin story. It's not exactly like these ones, but it's a familiar enough variation of these. So I figured before we get into all that, let's get our feet wet with one episode where we just don't know what we're doing. And we can just look at what is the Spider-Man origin story. In the most general terms, so John, what did you think of Amazing Fantasy fifteen? <laughs>
1: um, I I liked it a lot. I liked, uh, you know, it opens with Peter Parker, the biggest nerd on the planet. Uh, I think I think we're introduced to him since that bookworm wouldn't know a cha cha from a waltz, which is some very nineteen sixties language. For, for Peter Parker being a dork. But it followed the Toby Maguire like, first movie pretty to a T as far as getting his powers. He goes into the wrestling match, he beats Bonesaw or Pressure Crusher Hogan. Hogan.
0: Crusher Hogan, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah Cr- Crusher Hogan versus Bonesaw. That's just another episode by itself, I think. Um... But and then the guy runs past him, I mean, it's exactly like the Toby Maguire, uh, the Toby Maguire origin.
0: Yeah. Uh, revisiting it for me, it, what stood out was it kind of felt more like a like an Archie comic than what we think of as like a superhero comic. Like it, it was a lot of like teen drama and interpersonal relationships and um, focused like pretty early on on like how his classmates saw him and stuff. And it's funny that you mentioned the wouldn't know a cha-cha from the waltz line. Cause my notes just keep saying, Stanley does not know how to write real humans. <laughs> at, at one point, the thing that I cracked up at was, uh, uh, aunt may and uncle Ben just like walk into his room and say, you looked a little tired. So we brought you crackers and milk, which makes no sense. No human has ever said that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think he gets called a bookworm three times in the first like two pages, and then the very, our introduction to Aunt May and Uncle Ben are something like they come in and and it's it's all of his classmates thinking he's a dork, and then we meet Aunt May and Uncle Ben, and they're like, "You're okay in our eyes, Peter," or something <laughs> like that, and and yeah, <laughs> I love it
0: yeah, what did you what did you think about the pacing? How'd that feel to you?
1: Pretty, pretty good. I mean, there wasn't it obviously, it's not like it covered an entire movie's worth of material. but it seemed like for what we know about Spider-Man now, we've all seen his origin story a hundred times, you know, it hit the bullet points pretty good. He gets his powers, he tries to use them for his own gain. Uncle Ben dies in some way. He becomes Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. Like those are those are the highlights and they hit him pretty good, pretty easily. So it would have been nice to to get, you know, a story with a villain, but it was the first episode of Spider-Man ever, so they had to set it all up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's kind of impressive how you can tell it's very cheesy. You can tell it's early in, like, Stan Lee's writing career um, as far as superheroes go. But it's still kind of found ways to, like, stick around in our cultural, you know, vernacular, and most of the story doesn't change. Yeah.
1: 100%. I mean, it's it, this is the exact same story as... You know, Peter's now and basically Andrews and Tom Holland's, even though we like didn't even see it, even though we sort of saw it with Aunt May in the No Way Home. I mean, the the same beats have happened in every single Spider-Man origin story that they've even stopped showing it. You know, we didn't even have to see Uncle Ben die because we in in the most recent version, because we've already seen this origin story a hundred times, you know. So So this is like where it all started, and it was a good enough story that they've kept it with every single model that's happened since.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Everyone
1: that I've seen, I know you've read, you've read like a million different versions of Spider-Man. So I'm sure in some of them it's different, but but this next one we're going to talk about, which we haven't gotten to, you know, it's it's pretty similar as is.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's why I wanted to to show like. You know the the way it's changed over times. In a, a lot of ways, it's it's kind of very gradual. It's very slight deviations. But I, I do want to say this just before we get way too deep in the weeds. Um, for the sake of this podcast, I know my role is like the resident reader, but like I truly am more of like an X Men reader. And I pop in and out of Spider-Man. And the reason that I wanted to cover Ultimate Spider-Man, and we'll get into this when we actually get to the series, is like that in particular is the run that I love. Like I love Spider-Man as a character. I love him as a concept. I love him, you know, uh love the characters around him and stuff. But there's just like so many stinkers you know i mean when you've been written for like 60 (laughs) years and by a million different writers like there's gonna be some stinkers and so that's why i think it's really interesting to do this and for today go back to the basics and see what you know everyone agrees is is great and then for the rest of you know the pod just revisit what i've always loved and been able to come back to
1: Yeah. I've got some notes on this first one, you know, that we've talked about a little bit already. The one line was, Uncle Ben thought he was a pretty special lad. Amazing line. And then, you know, Peter Peter Parker, world's biggest dork, has asked out Sally 15 different times. Stop asking out Sally. (laughs) She doesn't want to go out with you. It shouldn't take that many times.
0: He's persistent, and it's what makes it funny. Is he, we know of Peter Parker's girlfriends. It's not uh, Betty Brant. It's not Gwen Stacy. It's not Mary Jane. It's this Sally character who we never see again. That he asked out fifty times. That's yeah. crazy. And then from
1: from from the start of this comic, and then he gets. I think it's not when he gets his powers. It's it's when. They don't invite him to the Rolling Stones concert. He says, "Someday I'll show them. Someday they'll be sorry they laughed at me." This sounds like a villain origin story to me.
0: I thought That's that not was what
1: in. Are supposed to say?
0: He's a pretty like pathetic. Like, uh, what's what's the term? Is it be- <laughs> beta male? He, I mean, he's yeah. he's kind of like that in his origin, but I thought that line, the Rolling Stones thing was in the second issue we look at. Cause I remember the one, it.
1: The Rolling Stones one. Went, I think, I think you're right. I think that it was actually I, here. I bet if I go to. Yeah, it was, it was the second one was a Rolling Stones. The first one, they didn't invite him to the dance.
0: Cause it stood out to me that an issue in 1998 would still pretend like teenagers were going to see the Rolling Stones. I remember having that thought. But the sentiment rings true. I mean, there's plenty of those moments in Amazing Fantasy as well. You know what I was kind of amazed by? By the end of page three, page three, we've already established Peter's family, his interests, his like social standing in school. And he's been bitten and already started to display powers. That is crazy that they crammed all that in.
1: Yeah. And I know you asked about the pacing and I, as I'm, as I'm reading what I wrote down, I said, everything in the origin happened so fast, seven pages in, and he's been bitten. One wrestling created this costume and his web shooters. And that's on top of everything that you just said happened in the first three pages. So they really did just like throw everything in his origin at you like ASAP there and just take off from there. Which is which is good. You know, you don't have to it's it's kinda not like today where it'd probably take like, you know, an hour and a half or like five or six issues to really set up someone's origin stories.
0: Oh buddy, you're about to find out. I I don't want to get too too deep into the Bendis stuff today because we have all the time in the world to hit that. But that's like for the people who had criticisms of Bendis, it's that he took too long. He drew stuff out way too long. They're like, how do you take a 15 page story from 1962 and make it last a half a year's worth of publication? (laughs) So you're, you're nice. going to go on that can't journey. Waste,
1: can't waste to that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. Um, I wanted to talk about the art. What did you think about the art for this one? It was done by legendary comics artist, Steve Ditko. Um, how did that strike you?
1: I think when, when you said it looked like an, an Archie comic, that, that is exactly what it looked like to me yeah, um, is like an Archie comic and I and I'm I wouldn't even mind pulling it up real fast just so I have it up so I can look at it. but but yeah, it looked more like a newspaper comic kind of than something we'd expect today. but it was back in the 60s, so of course, the style's gonna change.
0: Yeah. Um, do you know what the Marvel method was? No, I don't. So it's kind of um, It's important to know specifically for this issue. I don't know how much it's going to actually have been used for the ultimate Spider-Man series that we're going to be covering. But back in the day, Marvel used to make their comics in a completely different way from DC or any other publishers. Um, They would have the artist actually draw the pages first and make the panels and everything. And the writer would get a completely finished page and basically be filling in the captions. So it's it's almost like it was constructed backwards. So the so the pacing and the way the plot develops and everything that you see is kind of made by Steve Ditko and then given to Stan Lee to fill out the words for. So I know I know everyone, you know talks about Stan Lee as like kind of the father of Spider-Man, but just seeing this story and how well it did and how much it struck a chord with people and has lasted, it makes me wonder how much of that credit should go to Steve Ditko instead.
1: Well, and isn't that like the what like everyone says now anyway, is like maybe Stan Lee wasn't. Which is not Stanley Hay at all, because Stanley is a legend. But isn't that like the thing, like, oh, Steve Ditko was more responsible for a lot of these people, in the same way that like Batman was like, I think like Bill Finger and Bob Kane, if if you know about that. And I don't even know which one got the credit and which one deserved the credit. But I know I, I feel like there's some sort of argument nowadays about comics and who created them and stuff like that.
0: Oh, yeah, that's that's always an enduring thing um, for both companies, for all types of characters. Everyone is going back to the like, it's the chicken and the egg conversation in comics is do we give credit to the artist or do we give credit to the writer? And I feel like most of the time the answer should probably be both. But the problem with Stan Lee, as a lot of people see it, is he presented it for decades later as it was it was him. Oh, that's too bad. Come on, Stanley. Yeah. yeah. I I see, like... I mean, I you're right. It totally does look like an Archie comic, but it's weird, like, as it goes on, I feel like uh, the panels where he actually is in the Spider-Man suit start to get a little bit more um, out there, a little bit more experimental. There was one particular panel where he's in the Spidey suit and uh, in the foreground of the image there, and he's like facing away from you. And in the foreground of the image, there's a spider on a web. And that struck me as just like something kind of interesting. Definitely, you know, just an artsy little thing that it seemed like Ditko wanted to draw and it just gave uh, Stanley some more room to like fill in whatever he wanted to say about the plot. But I was kind of impressed by that and like the motion of when he hits the, the burglar, it feels like, you know, some of the images are very, I don't want to say juvenile, but they, they look dated and then others, it felt like they really hit the mark.
1: Yeah. Well, it makes, it makes sense. Now that you've kind of mentioned that like Marvel way of doing the comics that, you know, Stanley just like saw some, saw a comic page of, Peter Parker what well, looked like he was being made fun of with his friends and he had to just like fill in random words and then he saw him with Uncle Ben and Aunt May and they were like you're a swell lad Peter Parker and he's like I don't know what I'm supposed to be writing here like
0: you're looking back through and it now, with now it, and seeing what I'm talking about aren't you yeah, that's all
1: yeah I'm flipping I'm flipping through it on my, on my phone here and yeah oh the uh, the little spider webs underneath his armpits excellent
0: Yes, those don't last like too often. (laughs) But they come back
1: in the, uh, I think in the Tom Holland, doesn't he have
0: those? Yeah, they they come back and it's like they were around for a while, like in the 60s and 70s. But I think when most people imagine Spider-Man, they don't, they don't imagine the um, arm glider things because it's kind of cheesy. They take it out a lot.
1: Yeah, this was a good one. I, I I enjoyed this one. I was like, oh, they're hitting all the they're hitting all the big or Spider Man origin stories, origin story they, plot points. They created them. Peter I mean, doesn't it's... stop the goon. Yeah, Peter doesn't stop the goon, The goon murders Uncle Ben, hides in the warehouse on the waterfront. I mean, I feel like I've seen that seven different times, like through the years.
0: And it's not even just the movies. It's like it comes up in cartoons and parodies and stuff, too. Yeah. One, th- one thing that I had forgotten that I kind of liked about the the whole burglar killing Uncle Ben thing. Um, what, that was a weird way to put it. <laughs> uh, one thing I liked about how they told that story was um, it, at first it seemed kind of sloppy, but you Peter just shows up at the house and there's already cops and they say, sorry, son, your uncle's dead. Someone killed him. And it shocks you as a reader, kind of in the same way that it would have shocked Peter, you know, just showing up and that news being abrupt. Cause there was no indication before that, that it was going that direction.
1: Yeah, that's actually true. And I, I wonder what it would have been like to like read it and not knowing, okay, when's, When's this guy going to kill Uncle Ben? You know, because it really does come out of nowhere. And obviously, if you're reading it for the first time and you haven't seen the origin story a hundred times, you don't know it's coming. So it's a good story. You know, he learns he's got to take personal responsibility. That's that's why Spider-Man's everyone's favorite.
0: Yeah, that's right. All right. Are you uh, ready to talk about the next book we looked at?
1: Oh, I'm ready.
0: Did you have any final thoughts you wanted to add on Amazing Fantasy 15, or do you think we did it to death?
1: I think we did it to death. I don't think that much happens.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, what does happen, yeah, everyone already knows. That happens,
1: right, that we, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so give me your thoughts on the, the second one. First of all, okay. let, I guess I should so, introduce the second <laughs> one. It is uh, Spider-Man Chapter 1 by legendary comics writer and artist John Byrne um, from December 1998. John, what would you think about it?
1: So, to me, this one seemed like if the Marvel Universe that we have going on right now tried to make a spider-man origin story this is what they would probably come up with because it is almost a beat for beat remake of amazing fantasy 15 except that they have just included all of this like stuff for fun or so people reading can be like oh my gosh look at that the fantastic four in this one and like oh my gosh and there's professor x and everything like that so and like, oh my gosh, Doc Ock is the school or something like that. You know, they've just like included all these different Easter eggs, which are fun. Reading them, I was like, oh my gosh, they brought the X Men into here, but it kind of seems like it's a little cheap. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, like, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't really additive to the story. It was just kind of getting it back in publication for a new generation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like Doc Ock is a thing. I think Spider-Man says, I'll be a famous scientist like Reed Richards one day. Um, And then, but that being said, as I'm looking through this, you know, there are a bunch of differences also. Like the, there's an explosion. There's not just Mm -hmm. like a little spider bite. Like the spider causes an explosion that would have killed Peter and does kill a bunch of other people. And he gets his powers from that. So it's a much bigger event than him just getting bit by a spider. You know, this is a, there's a big, big explosion and he gets his powers. And then he even becomes famous. And, and like I said, the Fantastic Four could use a new member. He says, I wonder if the Fantastic Four could use a new member. Um, we have Flash Thompson being a humongous Spider-Man fan, like he was in the Andrew Garfield movies. And then... You will probably know this, but who is Doc and Rick? Is that Bruce Banner?
0: Yeah, yeah. So Bruce Banner, like Doctor Banner. Yes, in the comics, uh, he's got this sidekick named Rick Jones that nobody likes. <laughs> okay. Kind of shills yeah, for a bunch of superheroes. He gets like kicked around <laughs> all the Avengers. I <laughs> That's funny. Yeah.
1: Um, we got the, the, the goon on the waterfront. And then one thing that was really interesting about this one, though, was that the goon thought Spider-Man was going to help break into places with him. So he showed up kind of not even knowing Spider-Man was about to kick his butt.
0: Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting but also confusing cuz it's like he showed up at Aunt May and Uncle Ben's house waving a gun around and saying where's Spider-Man and they didn't know what, what he was talking about obviously. Yeah, but his reasoning for showing up there was, "Oh, he I thought Spider-Man robbed this place." So if Spider-Man robbed this place, what leads you to believe the people that live there know <laughs> him?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and the timeline if I, I'm gonna go right here and click through this real quick. But the timeline also did not add up because he's outside Uncle Ben and Aunt May's house as Spider-Man is leaving to go do the show that he's doing of some sort. Then he sees Spider-Man at the show, and then he still manages to beat Spider-Man back to Uncle Ben and Aunt May's to kill them. So so He's like running all around town. Just like. I don't know. You're right when you said it, it doesn't really make sense. his What he's doing with. Ant-Man and Uncle Aunt Ben. But they needed him to kill. Him somehow. So Spider-Man could have his origin story.
0: It reminds me of that scene. In Emperor's New Groove. When they're like. Wait how did you make it back here before we did? And they pull out a map. And they're like. Wait a minute. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. But don't worry about it. <laughs> it's the exact same logic. It's don't worry yeah. about it logic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you're like, okay,
0: I guess I won't. Yeah. Um, I, I know the purpose of this one, like, editorially, was, hey, we haven't told the origin story of Spider-Man in a while. Um, people who are, you know, kids now would have had never had a way to read amazing fantasy 15. Let's get a version out there for them that they're going to like and be able to read. But it felt like it leaned into the really pulpy melodramatic writing styles a little bit too hard in the wrong spots and then tried to be modern in the wrong spots.
1: Yeah. I I would agree with that because I I do think it's interesting that it's him thinking about all of this stuff. And like, that's why we get to see it now is because he's like thinking about it again. But when you say like melodramatic, do you mean like our current day, Peter Parker, who's thinking back on it is being very like melodramatic about it.
0: Yeah. I, I feel, so I feel like that's a good thing that you bring up that we should probably mention just for listeners who don't have it in front of them is the way this story is told kind of has like an a plot and a B plot that are on different timelines. Um, what you're first introduced to is Spider-Man swinging through the city, thinking back about like why he's there, where he's going, what, you know, happened to make him get put in this situation. And those thoughts are then becoming other panels that are his origin story, but kind of in a flashback. So the way the story is told is like a flashback go ahead uh, and one thing
1: that i did also think was cool is that flashback the way it's being told it is plucked straight from the 1962 panels i mean the panels are almost identical like people say slightly different things right this time his friends are going to a rolling stones concert instead of to the dance and maybe like Aunt May man uncle ben say something like slightly different to him but the panels are very very similar and i actually did think that, that was cool Um, only because it made me think of also this, there's a, there's a Spider-Man Deadpool crossover comic that I have read and heard about. It's like one of the only Spider-Man comics I've read and Deadpool goes like back in time and gets transported into a Spider-Man comic and the panels are just like ripped straight from the earlier one with Deadpool inserted into them. And it's a, it's a pretty fun one. Yeah, that's Um, but but that's what that's what made me think of this. And I was like, oh, that's that's cool.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a pretty easy and worthwhile thing to do when you're drawing on something as iconic as like early Spider-Man. That's interesting that what you liked was the panels that were pulled straight from Amazing Fantasy 15, because for me, what worked was the art in the panels where he's just swept swinging through the city and brooding to himself that's what I really liked and I would have liked more of, but um, I think it's interesting that, you know, <laughs> it didn't quite work for you and it didn't that's quite work, work for me, but it was for different reasons. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's funny. Cause there were panels that I was like, all right, get back to the origin story. <laughs> like, you know, I don't need to see present day Peter Parker, Peter Parker, just like brooding or, but, but those are, those are very cool panels as I'm like swinging through them of him swinging. Like, it- you can tell the artistic style has gotten a lot better since 1962. Like when you look at these.
0: Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where um, uh, Steve Ditko walked. So John Byrne could run and, you know, so on. It's just the whole industry keeps evolving. And I think yeah. those panels of him swinging was really where um, Byrne was able to, to thrive with, with this issue. And then back to that explosion I you mentioned the explosion, we're going so out of order. We got to get this, get this cleaned up when we actually start doing ish episodes that matter, but you know what? We're, we're just having fun, but about the explosion, did that not feel like it completely took you out of the story for you?
1: Um, it in kind of felt like, oh, this is someone, like, fan-writing Spider-Man. Like, this isn't how Spider-Man's story goes, you know? Yeah. He just gets bit by a spider. It's There's not a big explosion, like, that kills everyone around him and would have killed him if not for these spider powers. So, I mean, it, but then again... Right. I was coming at it from like, well, Zach told me to read three different origin stories. So I figured each of these are going to be like slightly different origin stories. So I was thinking, oh, maybe this one's just a little bit more like out there
0: and bombastic. It was not the most out there and bombastic one we covered, was it? <laughs>
1: no, no, it wasn't.
0: But I, I don't know. Like for me, the that explosion it just completely took me out of it because like you said, that's not how it normally goes. But then also how are you going to say that there's this explosion that like takes out a whole building and the spider is at the epicenter of it, but then is still alive to bite him a couple seconds later.
1: <laughs> I didn't even think of that, but yeah,
0: <laughs> like it's blowing out steel the beams and
1: literally <laughs> at least- At at the start of the explosion Is the spider
0: Windows and people and desks And all this stuff is just getting leveled And this spider kind of brushes it off For long enough to bite him So goofy
1: (laughs) I didn't even think of that But that's funny
0: Yeah, But I
1: did like seeing Doc Ock And I did like seeing the X-Men And everything like that That was fun
0: Got your MCU cameo moment
1: I, I, I was just thinking, it reminded me of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs>
0: it's just
1: Spider-Man and all the superhero buddies.
0: Oh, hey, I know those guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got a quote here, I found. Um, I've been doing a little bit of research in like anticipation for this pod. And Mark Bagley is the artist of... Ultimate Spider-Man series we're about to be covering for like the first forever, like 111 issues or something. And I was watching a Mark Bagley interview and they talked about this issue in particular because it had just come out a few years before Ultimate Spider-Man and basically had the same task as Ultimate Spider-Man. It was take the origin and the early issues and make them adaptable for a modern audience And Mark Bagley had this great quote. He said, um, John Burns' story landed like a fart in church. (laughs) So apparently at the time, it didn't work for anyone very well either.
1: This one that we're reading right now? Yes. That's funny. I I, I can see why.
0: Yeah, I, I can too. It's not the worst thing I've ever read, but it's definitely not good and it doesn't stand up when you have like high expectations for it, which I'm sure everyone did. Yeah.
1: If if it, if it like, if you're going to rip the panel straight from before, then you should follow the origin story more closely. And then if you're going to kind of do your own, which is totally fine, you probably need to stray a little bit further.
0: Yeah. It's like uh, when music artists like find that one like uber popular song that the original artist killed and like you you can't cover it. Like don't try and cover Adele's Rolling in the Deep and do it exactly like Adele because you're not going to do it well. If you're going to do it, you might as well change it up and make it your own.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This this comic was like Adele's Rolling in the Deep.
0: Well said. Thank you. All right. Are you ready to move on to the last issue we read?
1: I'm ready. And I think I would like to hear what you have to say about this one first. Oh dude, I kind
0: of already know
1: what I what I thought of this.
0: I so I don't. I I saw your brief text. We we haven't talked about any of this. We're we're coming in super fresh. Um I got the sense that you didn't like it. And I want to hear more about that. So,
1: what, what 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 comic are we talking about?
0: So, we are talking about Edge of Spider Verse number four from October 2014. Um, trying to find the creative team so we can shout them out because I I gave attribution a, attribution. I attributed the last uh, books we read. It says Chapman Bonetti and Gandini. I don't know any of those people. They're not, as far as I know, super famous in the comic world. I think they did a good job, but John, what was your take on on
1: this?
0: (laughs) First of all, can you give us a synopsis of the the story?
1: Yes, I'd love to. Um, So, the very first page of this, or maybe even on the comics, the comic cover, it said, you'll be learning about a bunch of different types of Spider-Man during this run, and they all have something to do with the wider story that's going on. So, knowing nothing about it, I'm figuring that this comic was placed in because, in the main comic storyline, there's a big thing, and it's going to take all of the Spider-Man to defeat it. So, we're going to get like 15 different issues, and each one's going to introduce us to different Spider-Man, and then they're all going to come together in the main storyline does that make sense have you have you read this at all or
0: yeah i've read this event and you just you got it dead on okay that's exactly what happens
1: so you know (laughs) okay so i was thinking i was gonna get to meet another spider-man like peter parker or the, the noir Spider-Man or like Porky Pig Spider-Man or something from the Spider-Verse movie. That's like fun. And it's Spider-Man. And, and <laughs> <laughs> it, it just wasn't like that at all. <laughs> this, this guy, his name is Patton. Uh, I
0: don't even, didn't even write down. Patton Parnell. Pat
1: Patton. Patton, Patton Parnell. And he has uncle Ted and Sarah Jane, I think is the girl next door. Or maybe she's just the girl next door, but and he's just the worst. He's just a total creep. He he spies on his neighbor when she's not looking, getting undressed. He's torturing and killing insects. His uncle is abusive, and I just didn't like it at all. And all of that would maybe be okay. Some of that stuff kind of be redeemable. But if the author wants to make him redeemable, that's fine. But that isn't where this went. This Spider-Man was just a bad guy. And he was like a vampire Spider-Man. And he got his powers. And just, I don't know if you want me to just do the whole thing. But he just like killed a bunch of people. And, and, And then I guess maybe the whole point of this story though, which did make me interested in reading more, is... Does Sa- is Sarah Jane the Spider-Man that we then follow into the main timeline? She- because it seems like at the end, she might become a Spider-Man of some sort. Is that accurate?
0: No, I don't believe we ever see her in the <laughs> Spider-Verse event. So why
1: did they write this at all? Does he come back? He's just like dead, right?
0: Oh, oh, he's super dead. Yeah. Um, so I think this series was meant to introduce several characters that you see in the in the later spider verse event um but i also think part of it was we're going to give different creative teams one issue to tell a spider-man story and just see what they've got and this was just a fun little one-off that someone wanted to do um i like it a lot i remember the first time i read it it, it takes you by surprise. I mean it's uh, it's like a it's a slow building, suspenseful like horror movie kind of story. And at first, you're so used to the regular like tropes of the Spider-Man story that you almost want to resist that. I remember the first time I read it, I thought, okay, this guy's really creepy. he's kind of like antisocial. How are they going to redeem him? Because I was just so sure that they were going to. And instead, it's it becomes a body horror story. And like you said, he kind of turns into like a vampire tarantula man that like eats his cat, eats his bully, eats his um <sighs> uncle, is gonna eat the girl that he has a crush on. He bites her like a vampire, and then gets killed for reasons that are totally related to spider verse and totally unrelated to you know, what we're doing today. But it's, it's a trip, you know, it, like I said, like if you're going to, in my opinion, if you're going to adapt something like this, I almost like to see you go a really weird direction with it. Because in my opinion, the Spider-Man story in general is a body horror story. It only works if Spider-Man, if Peter Parker gets bit as a teenager, because it's like, this puberty allegory. It's like my body is changing and it's gross and no one understands what I'm going through, but for him, it's actually true. And then this is taking that to the nth degree and making it an actual body horror story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was a trip. That's for sure. And maybe if I wasn't expecting like, so much, or, like, wanting him to be redeemed and, like, thinking that that was going to come, I would have enjoyed it more, but I hated, obviously, seeing him kill his cat, and I think I wrote, why would you make me read this after (laughs) I wrote he killed his cat? Um, One thing that is really funny, and I'll try to find the exact issue, but there's an issue of him walking down the street whistling and they had to have taken that from the toby movie like where spider-man goes bad that has to be some sort of a um
0: like homage
1: but just like a fun little yeah homage or an easter egg to it or something because at least that's what it it reminded me of like crazy yeah Um, but it was it was it was pretty good. So you said this stuff has to do with the Spider-Verse story as a whole. Was that Morbius that like popped in and killed him?
0: No. Okay. So it's no. So it's not Morbius. It's um. it's this guy named Morlun. He doesn't matter like at all for what we're going to be doing for this pod. He doesn't show up in ultimate Spider-Man. Um. He was kind of the big baddie for the run of Spider-Man that was like in the early 2000s. And it kind of set the stage for him to come back and be the big baddie for this spider verse thing. So basically all you need to know about him is like, he's going from dimension to dimension, trying to eat that, like that universe's Spider-Man equivalent.
1: Uh, so that's almost why we saw this story is because he came into it. Not because the Spider-Man was important, but, was, but because the other guy was important.
0: Yes. And I've, if I remember right, there's other stories like that where it shows you a new Spider-Man the whole time. And then at the end of the issue, Morlun just shows up and murks him. And it's to make him look, you know, big and bad and like you should take him seriously.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's probably that's probably a fun storyline to read as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um it's where you get, you know, some some really good ones. One of my favorites, uh Spider-punk came from that. There's a there's a Kitty Cat Spider-Man, but unfortunately uh they eat him, so that's very sad. <laughs> And it's the the panel where they do it too is so cute. Even like if you don't know what's happening, they're like holding it up by the scruff of his neck, and it's like the body weight is just so slumped, like like a real cat would be. Oh my gosh! Oh, poor
1: spider cat.
0: Yes. Okay. So you alluded to to the very end of this story. So it ends with um, more lunch. So uh, Patton Parnell ends up becoming this monster and eating everybody, and he tries to eat Sarah Jane, but then Morlun shows up at the end and kills him. What happens to Sarah Jane uh, at the very end? So she, uh,
1: she... I think just like a million spiders start crawling out of the bite marks that he... that Paxton Pornell or Patton, Patton Parnell or whatever... That he, where he bit her, a million spiders start crawling out of her neck. So I was certain that the next episode was going to be, like, about her becoming a Spider-Man. But I guess that's not the case. And if that's not the case, then probably she's just, like, overcome with spiders and dies. Which makes this one even sadder.
0: Yeah, I think that's the implication. Is he, like, bit her like a vampire and implanted her with, like, spider eggs. And now they're crawling out of her neck and eating her. I mean, it... It truly is like a horror movie of an issue. Yeah.
1: It's a gross one.
0: yeah. yeah. Some of,
1: some of the artwork is is pretty. I would say <laughs> like the other Spider-Man origin stories we read would be suitable for all ages. This one is absolutely not suitable for all ages. I don't think like this this would scare children
0: just on account it. of how creepy it is.
1: The, the the one panel in particular that I'm looking at where Uncle Ted is on the bed tied up and there are a million <laughs> spider things like strung up. That is legitimately terrifying. Yeah. It's page it's page 18.
0: Yeah, and there's like a like a skeleton in the foreground and then all these like horror movie posters and like yeah. bugs pinned up on the wall behind him. Yeah, every bit of that is, like, nightmare fuel. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: It was still interesting. I didn't like as much as the other ones, but...
0: Well, so kind of the purpose of bringing that one up and the purpose of reading the other issues um, is before we go into uh, next week's episode and we read Bendis's origin story for Spider-Man... What do we think are like the constants that seem to be present everywhere in these comics, in the movies, in cartoons, maybe what do you have to have for a great Spider-Man origin? And how has that changed over time?
1: With great power comes great responsibility. I feel like that's the biggest, like that is Spider-Man and uncle Ben has to die. And he has to die because Peter started to use his powers selfishly. And those are the three biggest things, I think. Is he needs to get his powers, he needs to use them selfishly. Uncle Dad needs to die because of it. And then with great power comes great response. He needs to learn that.
0: Okay. Yeah, I it's hard to argue. I, well, it's hard to argue against that. You put it real succinctly, and I can't, I can't say I've ever f- seen a good uh, version that doesn't at least touch on those. I mean, even this one that I like, it it touches on those in an ironic way, where you know those beats are specifically missed, and that's why it feels wrong. That's why it feels off. So I think that is a good point. Um, I kind of mentioned it before. My read on Spider Man at least early on, has always been it's a it's a puberty analogy. It's a it's a body horror thing. He, I think he has to be a teenager. Um I don't think it works if you have an adult. And I I kind of I think because I have that lens on it, I appreciated this scary one a little bit more. Um and I think that might be why I like yeah. Ultimate Spider Man the most, because the whole series is kind of centered on like teen angst, teen drama first, and then great super <laughs> superhero stuff second.
1: I love it. This is gonna be like a Spider-Man that listens to Punk and Ska, and you just really identify with him.
0: <laughs> you, you you joke about that, but literally there are some <laughs> <laughs> <It's coming. laughs> Oh my god, there are some panels where it's like Uh, some character will be wearing a no FX shirt and I'm just going to geek out that day. I'm going to be so excited. (laughs) Get to talk about no effects for two seconds. (laughs) All right. Well, um, do you have anything else you want to add about what we, what we read this week, what we talked about today?
1: I don't know. What's next on the docket?
0: Uh, so let me check the schedule. Okay, so next week we will be reading issues one through five of Ultimate Spider-Man by Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley. That is the Great Power arc. It is Spider-Man's origin story as they see it. Um, and we're going to uh, discuss how that stacks up to what we talked about today. So this is kind of the primer. It's not required, but from next week on, we are following one particular Spider-Man the entire duration of his story. We're going to see him from beginning to end, and I am excited to do it.
1: Love it. Can't wait.